0: Today is 18 September 1981. At this moment, it's uh, a little bit after five o'clock in the morning, and I'm on my way out to fly. As I mentioned uh, last night on the other tape, a little dreary-eyed and not too wide awake at this point. Today we should have a good flight, hopefully. This afternoon uh, we plan on a little party out at operations for a couple of the colonels who are departing ops for other jobs and so forth. I'd like to spend uh, a moment or two today reflecting back on experiences uh, that I've had over the years. In particular, this day, let me talk a minute or two about Casey, and when she came into our lives, and a little bit about her birth, and so forth. I have some of this, of course, recorded in my journal, but not enough, so let me expand that a little bit. Kathy and I have been married for a number of years, Uh, for a number of years didn't have children. Not that we didn't try to have children, but we were unsuccessful. And it was at that time in our lives, uh, seven, eight years ago, that Kathy went to a doctor who gave her some assistance, medication, And fortunate for us, she became pregnant and Casey was born in September of nineteen. No, it must have been 72, because I was commissioned in 71, and after commissioning from ROTC at Utah State, we went to Mather Air Force Base, California for Navigator School, and we were there for about nine months, and then I went down to Castle Air Force Base down near Merced, California, Mather being in Sacramento. And it was while we were at Merced that Kathy got larger with the pregnancy. And as I recall leaving Merced, she flew from Merced to Logan, Salt Lake actually. And I drove up to Fairchild Air Force Base to attend survival school for a week while I was at survival school, this being now the late summer of 72, that Casey decided to become part of the earthly group of people. So it was in September of 72 that she was born, and I was in training, as I mentioned, I didn't find out about Casey's birth uh, for a couple of days until we were informed over a radio, as I remember a helicopter was out working with some of the troops and uh, the instructors that were with us as we were out in the field surviving, learning how to evade and escape and, and prepare food from basics. It was at this point that a radio call came and indicated that Lieutenant Anderson was a new father, that wife and daughter were doing well. Needless to say, I can remember the feelings well. I felt elated, happy, excited and glad that Kathy and the new baby were doing well. I was, of course, extremely anxious to leave and get on back to home station to see this new wondrous little gal. I can remember, too, feeling very sad at the time wishing that I was at Kathy's side and not 1,500 miles away out in the mountains somewhere unable to render any assist- assistance whatsoever. But within a few days uh, we terminated the training, we returned to Spokane which uh, was, is where uh, Fairchild Air Force Base is located and checked out, and so forth. Came on back to Logan, and I remember driving to Cole. now, the hospital experience was over. Casey and Kathy were at home in Cove. And I remember driving up that day and jumping out of the car and running down to the house to see this new little baby that had arrived in our lives. And Kathy was up and about feeling quite well. And of course, Casey was probably the most beautiful little thing that anyone could ever imagine or see in their life. And I felt a feeling that I felt with all of the children have been born. And that is extremely difficult to explain feeling from within that seemed to say life is certainly worthwhile. And how fortunate I am to be associated with such a tremendous wife and to have the opportunity of co-creating and bringing a new little person into the world. Casey, as I recall, had a head full of hair, which she still has and was just precious, and still is. A few weeks passed. In fact, it was just a few days, I guess, as Kathy and Casey recuperated somewhat there in cold. I jumped in the car and drove across country to Wichita, Kansas, where uh, we were stationed at McConnell Air Force Base. And while there, I found an apartment for us to move into, down in a little town called Derby, Kansas, about 15-20 miles south of the airbase near Wichita. A little basement apartment type thing, nothing fancy but adequate. And not too long thereafter, Casey and Kathy flew into Wichita and we took up residence in Derby. This now would have been the fall of 1972. And after I arrived at McConnell, of course, the things that I had to do as a newly checked out navigator in a kc 135 were to check out locally and be prepared for whatever activity was sent my way. Unfortunately, that activity came real soon as It was, I believe, in November of that same year that the crew I was put on was tasked to deploy to Kadena Air Base Okinawa, Japan for three months. And again, it was extremely difficult to pack a bag and leave this little girl and her mother for such an extended period of time. And I remember the time how slowly it passed after I had left Wichita and flown to the west coast stop stopped off in Hawaii and over to Guam and eventually to Okinawa. The time seemed to stand still after about the first week and then the excitement of everything wore off. And I was extremely anxious to get back home. Probably the most lonely and the longest Christmas that particular year, Christmas of 72, was spent overseas. And Kathy and Casey had flown back to Utah to spend their time with Grandma and Grandpa while I was gone. I do remember Christmas Eve, that particular year, we did a lot of flying out of uh, Kadena. Christmas Eve was no exception. There was a war going on in Vietnam, and we were supporting that war effort by providing refueling to b 52 aircraft going to and from Guam into the Vietnam area, dropping their bombs and then returning to Guam. And that particular evening, the flight that we were on was called a combat lightning flight, which was an interesting flight in that the objective of the flight was to Orbit with an aircraft, a special type aircraft with listening radio equipment on board, and we would fly from Kadena down into the Gulf of Tonkin, and we would orbit in that area with this aircraft for six hours. And the entire back of the airplane was filled with uh, electronic warfare people, who whose objective was to listen and intercept messages and that type of thing. The itinerary of the flight, basically it took us three hours to fly from Kadena down into the orbit area. We remained on station for six hours. We were replaced by another aircraft coming in and then we would return to Kadena, making it a 12-hour flight. Made the time pass a little bit quicker, but uh, not the most exciting way to spend the Christmas Eve. That particular evening, as I recall, we would leave Kadena in the late afternoon or early evening, so it was an all-night affair and we'd return Kadena as the sun came up in the morning. The objective of the navigator on the flight was to ensure that the aircraft was on course and on time and remained within a particular airspace so as to uh, remain clear of any enemy activity. I recall too that orbiting in that area the sky would light up on occasion with SAM missile firings at the B-52s as they penetrated the enemy territory and went in and dropped their bombs. And we could hear the radio transmissions of the B-52 crew members as they talked with one another and warned each other of the SAM activity and you could hear the terror and the being scared feeling in the voices as they were transmitted over the radio and I felt fortunate that I was not closer to the enemy activity than I was and again we could see many miles out in the distance uh, bursts of light Indicating that either bombs were going off or SAM missiles were being fired at at B-52 uh, aircraft as they accomplished their missions. Other than the combat lightning flights, during the three months that I was in Kadena our normal flights lasted about four hours in that we would depart Kadena fly up to a prescribed orbit area, rendezvous with the B-52, and normally we'd do this in groups of three or four, called a cell formation. We would run the mule, we would offload our fuel to the bombers, and then we would turn around and recover it to Kadena. And we'd do this just about every day for four or five days, and then we'd have a couple of day, a, a days off, and then we'd return and do the same thing over again. Have to be very tedious, very boring, very, not exciting to say the least. And I guess the part that I disliked the most about it was the hours of the day that we would do this. The bus would always show up to pick us up about 3 and 2, 4 o'clock in the morning. And it was uh, difficult to make the bodily adjustments necessary to become accustomed to flying that early, day in and day out. And that alarm would go off, but 2 o'clock in the morning, Uh, it was dark, it was uh, an unpleasant experience for me, but I survived and uh, I spent a lot of time, when I did have spare time over there, walking the streets of the local community there, shopping for this and that, buying a trinket or two and picking up a toy or whatever to take home to my little girl. She received a lot of toys that February, late January, I believe it was February when I returned. She being the only little one that we had, naturally uh, received lots and lots of gifts and goodies. But that was our first real long separation, three month Cadena operation. And to return home was a choice experience to see my little girl again and to be with Kathy, after being separated for such a long, long time. We returned to somewhat of a normal operation at McConnell, the only trips away from home were to go on alert, which we did for one week at a time, and at that particular time we were doing what was called a satellite alert function in that we flew to either Ellsworth Air Force Base or to Glasgow Air Force Base to pull our one week alert tour. And we would get those about every other month. A little more often than that, about every five weeks, I guess. And on occasion, uh, monthly. We also pulled alert there at McConnell, so we would go to one of those three areas for our alert commitment. Casey, of course, continued to grow developed, learned to crawl quickly and live, always has been a very fast learner. A joy to be around, uh, a lot of fun. That particular summer, I believe, it was the summer of 73, I guess it was actually May of 1973, we spent the entire month at Torajon Air Base in Spain. Probably one of the smarter things that I did during my active duty tour was to send Kathy and Casey on a commercial flight to Madrid to spend most of the time that uh, I was stationed at Torajón with them. And that was a real choice experience that I'll never forget. Our crew flew the military aircraft over, of course, and then Kathy and Casey flew over on a TWA flight, as I remember. Uh, through New York or Chicago and into Lisbon and uh, eventually into Madrid. Had an enjoyable three month stay there, excuse me, one month stay there. (coughs) Did a lot of traveling around, saw much of the countryside, and enjoyed Spain very, very much. We spent a lot of time down at Madrid. We went to a museum or two. We saw the flamingo dancers uh, We traveled over to Valencia and to Ávila and to various cities around Madrid that were very interesting to see. And it was in Madrid as Casey rounded her eight-and-a-half or nine-month birthday that uh, she pretty well accomplished the task of learning how to walk. And as I remember... Got fairly proficient at it in the airport on the way over to Madrid. So by the time that we left Madrid, she was doing quite well. Again, we had an extremely enjoyable time and uh, enjoyed one another and had a, a delightful time in, in Europe. Well, I'm almost ready to pull up here to the Air Guard base and go out fly for the day so I'll sign off and uh, pick this up at a later time again it's the 18th of September of 81